How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to have you. I, I want to spend some time on the issues of Biden and his mental awareness. And I don't want to tire you of the issue, but there's an angle here that I think is missing. Before I do that, though, the Washington Free Beacon put together, and I, this is only about half of the montage uh, of the media circling the wagon around Joe Biden. Mr. Biden conducted himself admirably, I think. The president does take matters of classified documents uh, very, very seriously. This was a well-intentioned person. He was busy during that long-standing, ongoing international crisis. I'm reading directly from our top lines. He said President Biden portrayed himself as an elderly man with a poor memory. Special prosecutor could have written the same report without using these words. Elderly man with a poor memory. What is the word elderly doing there? He's someone who often has gone down verbal cul-de-sacs and and, and meandered into another story. That's part of who he is. That's his brand for the past 50 years. The swagger does kind of combat the age. The use of adjectives and adverbs that are not the province of the Department of Justice. He's got quick, fast, snappy, defensive replies. And poor memory. What is the test of that? Moments after defending his memory, the president mistakenly referred to the president of Egypt as the president of Mexico. He did later get it right. Yeah. Who among us hasn't screwed up those two countries? <laughs> That's that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is this is where I want to head. One more piece of audio. This is Bob Bauer, his attorney. Listen to this. He was on with Face the Nation on Sunday. Oh, well, hang on. I got my audio routed wrong. Didn't even realize it. Here we go. One more time. Face the nation this Sunday. Do you favor releasing them? Well, it's really a decision. that. Ha- oh, of course. There we go. Of course, it would die on me. It, it's, I won't suffer through trying to, to reboot. My Wi-Fi is kind of slow right now. Bob Bauer refuses to commit to releasing the transcripts and recordings for the special counsel interview. Now. That's the point here. And this is where I think Republicans need to go. There's a report in the left-wing Axios today. House Republicans are activating a weeks-long, perhaps month-long plan to keep questions about President Biden's mental state in the spotlight. Axios has learned. Sources close to House Republican leaders are blunt that they don't think it even matters what they find. These sources think that any fight will make the White House look bad and keep a huge Biden vulnerability in the headlines. House Republicans plan to seek testimony from her, Robert Hur, the special prosecutor, and would ask him both about how Biden's storage of sensitive documents could have hurt national security and about the president's mental acuity in the interview. 
The Attorney General acknowledged on 60 Minutes in October that usually the special counsels testify at the end of their report. It could be blockbuster. Even some Democrats worry about it. Democrats are going to try to undermine it. Uh, They say he was nominated by then-President Trump and, and make it a partisan issue. A person close to Biden quit with the newfound GOP interest in classified documents. Maybe they'll have a field hearing at Mar-a-Lago. Democrats understand the problem here. Poll after poll shows Biden's age is a top worry and objection, even for Democrats. This is from Axios. If Republicans want to make hay out of this issue, they don't just have to keep bringing up the age Release the transcript. Make that the issue. This morning, when I started the program, right at noon, so I guess not really morning, I played clips from Morning Joe. Stani Deutsch, Mark Barnacle, Michael Steele, Joe Scarborough, they're all praising the president and private. He's engaging and not distracted. And, you know, John Stewart is back at The Daily Show once a week, and he's uh, the left is very mad at him for his monologue he started yesterday, saying um, they, they say he's he's engaging in private. He does all the stuff in private. He's, he's probative. He's combative. He pushes back. All this. Well, do they film it? Because it's remarkable that the public, Joe Biden, is uh, mushy, muddied, stumbles over his words, beyond a speech impediment, is forgetful. And in private, he's supposedly sharp. Why, why don't y'all film film it? You, you tell us behind the scenes he's, he, he's this way, what, but that's not what he is in public. Film it. Release it for us. Show it. At best, they've got our, our little TikTok videos. They put him on TikTok. He banned TikTok on, on government devices, but now suddenly he's going to be on TikTok. I guess he forgot he banned uh, TikTok. Release the transcript. I think every time this issue comes up, you will note the reporters aren't pushing this. One push on Face the Nation on CBS, but not since. Where are the folks on CNN demanding a release of the transcripts of the conversations with the special prosecutor? It is those transcripts that caused the special prosecutor to decide he's an elderly man with a bad memory and he couldn't be charged before a jury because a jury would see him as a frail elderly man who's senile. I mean, and that's the thing. You also notice that none of these reporters, the ones, even the reporters, it's not just the Biden team, it's the reporters pushing back. Those adjectives and adverbs, they had no reason to be in the report, actually. They had every reason to be in the report because the special prosecutor had to explain why he's not prosecuting. For a whole lot of reporters who lecture us on misinformation, disinformation, and facts, they sure are obfuscating the fact that the reason that information is in the report is to explain why Biden is not being prosecuted, unlike Trump. Because Trump clearly has his mental faculties, despite years of MSNBC saying he's insane and not quite all there. Clearly, the special prosecutors think he's all there and Joe Biden's not. It's the Biden White House that decided Trump was competent to be prosecuted and Joe Biden was incompetent to be prosecuted. Release the transcript. Show us. And notice the talking heads on MSNBC aren't asking for that. Notice the reporters at CNN are not asking for that. Notice the New York Times editorialists, the Wall, the Washington Post editorialists, 
the reporters at USA Today, they're, they're not asking for the transcripts to be released. They're not asking for the deposition to be released. They have no intellectual curiosity. Not since Audrey Hale shot up a Christian school in Nashville has the press been so incurious about documentation. Audrey Hale left a manifesto and the press wanted nothing to do with it, didn't want to consider it. Joe Biden has a transcript with a special counsel, and it is that transcript that convinced the special prosecutor that Joe Biden did not have the mental faculty to be prosecuted, and the press has no intellectual curiosity about that transcript. Every time Republicans go on television, they should say, release the transcript. Let the American people judge for themselves. Every time in Congress they bring up Joe Biden's memory and the special prosecutor say, release the transcripts, Mr. President. Release them. Let the American people see. You say it wasn't that bad. Your lawyers argued it was a misrepresentation of the actual interview, so release the transcript for the American people themselves to see. Except they're not going to. They can't. Because it would be bad. I spent six years actively in legal practice. In those six years, I hated trial practice. I hated going to court. But there was one area that I loved beyond corporate transactions and elections law. Those were the two things I specialized in. But I was really good at discovery. I was really good at discovery. And lawyers that I worked with who knew I didn't want to go to trial, they would bring me into the discovery process because I was really good at formulating questions. You see, in a discovery process, both sides get to ask the other sides questions. They call them interrogatories. And both sides get to do what they call a request for production of documents. And I was very, very good at asking for and responding to interrogatories. And I was very good at writing them. So I was really good at, at objecting that they were too broad, too vague, too burdensome. I was really good at asking for specific documentation, nuancing it so it was broad enough without being too broad, accurate, accurately capturing stuff. And then I was really good in the depositions and interviewing the other side. The depositions are broad. You get to ask lots of stuff. There, there, there aren't a lot of realms for objection because the information is you, you, you gather as broadly as possible, this broad depth of information, so you can funnel it down to trial, where at trial, by the time you're at trial, you're asking questions that you already know the answers to. And you're trying to shape and frame the issues for the jury and tell a narrative and a story to the jury. And both sides get to try and the prevailing narrative wins. But by the time you get there, you know the information because you've broadly asked questions, including in depositions of the witnesses. And there's a court reporter, a stenographer, who captures every word, including the ums and the ahs and the muttered words. And the words the court reporter can't hear where she brackets as incoherent. And those would be in the transcript. 
So you would have people showing these on television. MSNBC would edit them to cut out the ums and the ahs. But the CNNs of the world, the Fox News, they would have every um, every ah, every uh, every incoherent statement in brackets. They would have it all, and the transcript would be a muddied mess for Joe Biden. The stumbling, the stuttering, the confusion, the inability to understand the question asked, the inability to give a precise answer, the muttering, the dragged down answer, all of that would be captured in the transcript. And it would be for you to read and you would hear it in the voice you have of Joe Biden. Not Joe Biden's voice, but the voice you have of his impression of him stammering on stage, the the muttered mess that you have in your head, that impression you have of Joe Biden, that's how you would hear it. That's how every American would hear it. That's why they can't release the transcript. And it makes it look like they have something to hide because they do. They have to hide the transcript. So if the Republicans really want to make hay out of this, unified, sustained calls, Mr. President, you say the interview wasn't that bad. Your whole team says it wasn't that bad. Your wife says it was abusive for them to use these adjectives and adverbs against you because it wasn't reflected in your actual interview. Your lawyers say their judgment comes from a mischaracterization of your interview with the special prosecutor. They say you couldn't even remember the year Hunter died or when you were vice president. So release the transcript. Do you not trust the American people to judge for themselves? Do you not trust the American people to get it right? Do you not trust the American people to be able to read for themselves? What are you hiding from, Mr. President? Why don't you trust the American people? Let the public decide for themselves. Release the transcript, Mr. President. And they won't because they know the damage that'll be done. And by not releasing it, they'll do even more damage. The Republicans have the opportunity to put the Democrats over the barrel. Just never underestimate the Republicans' ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I did not cover it. I didn't even mention it because I knew it was going to happen like this, and now I can cover it and mention it. The President of the United States was scheduled to make remarks at the White House at 1.15 p.m. He was an hour late. He talked for five minutes. He took no questions. And then he walked away. That seems to be their strategy. Tying to a teleprompter. Dare him to go off the teleprompter. And then walk away so no one can ask him questions. They are handling this uh, disastrously. Remember what Barack Obama's Christmas was? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Barack Obama went to the White House and told Joe Biden that in Obama's assessment of things and in the assessment of most of the major Democratic elite strategists out there, Joe Biden's team was not up to snuff and and was going to struggle to beat Trump. Obama continues to be proven right. Say what you will about Barack Obama, but he won twice. He can, he's got good political instincts. And Barack Obama looked at Joe Biden's White House team and assessed it as not competent. And they've been doing their best to prove him right ever since. It really is remarkable. It does make you wonder what Obama is doing behind the scenes to try to force Biden out or not. Because... 
Barack Obama does not want Donald Trump to be president of the United States again. So he's got to be doing something behind the scenes to stop Biden and push him out. And the, he, he's powerless. This may be the first time Obama has really felt impotence within the Democratic Party because you can't get Joe Biden out of the race unless Joe Biden wants to get out of the race. And so you got to go talk to Joe Biden and convince him his time has come. It's time to leave. But how can Obama do that? Because Obama didn't want him in, in 2016. That got him Hillary Clinton, which got him Donald Trump. So his judgment is a little suspect among the Obama or Biden advisors. It is hilarious to watch this play out. It really is hilarious to watch it play out. It, it just, just funny, funny, funny to watch it just shape up like this. Obama's got to be the guy to try to force Joe Biden out of the race, but Obama's got to convince Jill Biden to give up the White House, and good luck convincing Jill Biden to give up the luxuries and the lifestyle of the White House because Jill Biden, at the end of the day, you know and I know. It's not just the luxuries of the White House and the trappings of privilege and power. It's that she thinks if Joe Biden leaves, he's going to die, and she would prefer not to have to deal with Hunter Biden without Joe Biden alive. She doesn't want that. She wants her husband around. So she thinks keeping him there keeps him alive, and she knows what comes if he leaves. What a difficult position to be on, but it's the one they chose. You should choose Old Glory Bank as your bank with left-wing activists trying to push debanking trends in this country. I actually saw there's a credit union now that has changed the terms of its service that you can't buy guns with your debit card. Uh, you can't take money out of your account, like wire it to a gun store anymore. They're trying to prevent you from buying guns with this particular bank, or credit union, rather. Old Glory Bank was designed for conservatives. They support your values. They represent your values. I mean, John Rich... Larry Elder, Ben Carson, and uh, conservative banking experts who came up with the idea of Old Glory Bank. They bought an existing bank, uh, so they didn't have to start from scratch. They already have the infrastructure. They've got great online banking, online bill pay, and they charge no fees for checking and savings accounts. So if you start one for your kids, they're not going to get eaten alive with fees. You can even deposit cash at 85,000 retail locations around the country and get it into your bank account. They have loans, VA, FHA, mortgages, conventional, you name it. Uh, equal housing lender. Member FDIC, terms and conditions apply. It's oldglorybank.com. You can get an account set up eight minutes or less. Oldglorybank.com. I've got an account with them. You can too. Oldglorybank.com. Check them out today. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, I bring you now some of the audio from the president's press conference at the White House. You need to listen to this because there's there's a point here. Let, let me begin here. He's walking to the podium. I'm not going to take any questions, but I'll be taking questions tomorrow and the next day. But I don't want anything to get in the way of the statement. To be very blunt about it. Not that you wouldn't just focus on the statement. He wants to focus on the statement. So what is the statement? Well, to do the statement, I need to go back to some audio I played the other day. Let me find it here because I don't have it flagged the way I probably should have had it flagged. It was such a good line. Um, oh, where is this one right here. Well, how much Democratic 
bedwetting do you think there will be? <laughs> I, and I bring up the term everyone the laughs. It's a term that is used. Ever, it is a, it is a it's a political term of art. And it's used right, in but... Democratic big D politics. Yeah, it's what true. people say about Democrats. I'm not saying anything that's offensive to Paul's you know, <laughs> delicate young, 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 delicate yeah. ears. So how much of that will there be? And if you are the White House, how do you assuage said bedwetting? Oh, yeah. Look, uh, I'm a Biden supporter. I, I, and I slept like a baby last night. I woke up every two hours crying and went to bed. Uh, this is this is terrible for Democrats. And anybody with a functioning brain knows that. Um, but here's what you do. Instead of calling a press conference saying, I really am sharp, you attack the other guy. You know, the, the, Joe Biden gave the strategy in 2012. He was, I remember he was vice president. And he said, don't compare us to the almighty, compare us mm -hmm. to the alternative. So everything with Biden has to be not, I'm great, but the other guy's really damaging, dangerous, a threat. You know, the, 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 this is an unlovely. John's exactly right, right? This is going to be a really rough, ugly, unpleasant campaign. Look at years ago, David Duke, the former Klansman, was running for governor against Edwin Edwards, who'd been charged, mm. indicted, convicted of any number of criminals. The, the, Edwin won the campaign with a bumper sticker that said, vote for the crook. It's important. Yes. And they're going to tell Democrats, look, vote for the old guy. Support the old guy. It's important. So you think they blew it last night? Just to be clear, you think last night was a, it was a mistake to have him out there? Well, Paul? no, I want to see more Joe Biden. But the, and the gaffes are built in. But instead of simply saying, I'm OK, he just simply need, he needs to be on the attack 24-7 for the next 269 days. That's Paul Begala on CNN on Monday morning, assessing the Biden press conference after or after the whole memory or no, it was Friday. I'm sorry, it was Friday after the whole press conference Thursday night by Biden. This is Joe Biden from the White House just a few moments ago. Finally, this bill includes critical funding for our national security priorities in Asia, because even as we focus on the conflicts in Gaza and Ukraine, we must not take our eye off our national security challenges in the Pacific. It's the responsibility of a great nation. And we are a great nation that the rest of the world looks to. And I mean that. The rest of the world looks to us. The stakes are already high for American security before this bill was passed in the Senate last night. But in recent days, those stakes have risen. And that's because the former president has sent a dangerous and shockingly, frankly, un-American signal to the world. Just a few days ago, Trump gave an invitation to Putin to invade some of our allies, NATO allies. He said if an ally didn't spend enough money on defense, he would encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want, end of quote. Can you imagine a former president of the United States saying that? The whole world heard it. And the worst thing is he means it. That's Joe Biden. That's, he's doing what Paul Begala said. He's going on the attack. Attack, 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 attack. Uh, rallying Democrats, trying to persuade independents. Uh, but, of course, as Begala said, um, the gaffes are built into this. And the way it works is we supply Ukraine with military equipment from our stockpiles. And then we spend our money replenishing those stockpiles so our military has access to them. Stockpiles that are made right here in America by American workers. Stockpiles gives you um, Yes, that's what they're going to do now. Uh, they're going to embrace this. They're going to go. It's going to be nonstop attack on Trump. They're going to try to persuade independent voters that though Joe Biden 
Uh, maybe a little out to lunch. He, he might be a little out to lunch. Might might be a little senile. He's still better than the alternative. And y'all know there are a lot of low information voters out there who could be persuaded in this capacity. That's why the Republicans got to stay on their A game. And every time Donald Trump says something, the Democrats are going to start seizing on it, and Joe Biden is going to come out of the White House and attack. And you know, here's the remarkable thing. You know exactly what's going to happen. The American media is not going to give equal standing to Trump. Every time Biden comes out of the White House, they'll put him up. But they won't with Trump. I mean, CNN cuts him off. Anytime he has a press conference, they start. They say, well, we're afraid he's going to start lying, so we're not going to cover. They won't do that with Biden. And Biden will stay on teleprompter. The GOP, Trump, got to be disciplined. Got to be disciplined. Now, I want to pivot and relate something else here, and it goes to Ukraine. For those of you new here, I was a very successful campaign strategist for a number of years. I didn't like it because I ran it through my law firm, and I just I wasn't going to take commissions on ads. I was very I was a very bad businessman because I could have been extremely rich. You know that this works is your campaign consultant um, gets put your ads on TV. They take a commission plus you're using their campaign firm, so you're paying them to produce the ad. Then you're paying the commission. You don't even realize they're charging a commission. And I always because I was I was running campaigns through my law firm. I always gave it the commissions and stuff because. Uh, I was billing them by the hour. It was deeply unethical to me to be a lawyer and charging commissions in addition to uh, the billing fee. So you, you got me for cheap, but I couldn't make money at it, and I just decided over time I really didn't like it. But I know how to run campaigns and had a very good win-loss record. And my point of pointing that out is one of the things I would always tell candidates who had firm beliefs is know when you're in the minority even when you think you're right. Sometimes a candidate wants to stake out a position and they fundamentally believe that they're right. But they need to understand that a majority of people disagree with them. And I say that because I think I'm right, but with a lot of you, I think I'm in the minority. I think we should be helping Ukraine. Because I think Russia doesn't have a reason to have peace talks right now because we haven't been helping Ukraine. They've been having setbacks. The Russians have actually been advancing. Uh, Putin wants to wipe out that country and to get Russia to have peace talks. Look, I, I'm not in favor of fund Ukraine until they take back all their territory. That's not going to happen. But I think we need to put them in a better position for peace talks with the Russians, and that's why I think we need money for Ukraine. And I do think if the Russian sea is going wobbly, the Russians have every incentive to begin making other European countries go wobbly as well. The Russians are already targeting uh, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Lithuania, the, <laughs> Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. They're targeting the Poles, trying to be disruptive through artificial intelligence and, and pretend phone calls that never happened, things like that to stir people up. The Russians have expansionist tendencies, and I think we need to help Ukraine. Better the Ukrainians die than our kids die fighting the Russians. 
And I understand that's a minority position. And I do believe one of the reasons it's a minority position is because the president of the United States has failed to make the case. In fact, some Republican senators who support funding Ukraine have privately become convinced the Biden administration wants to give up on the whole project. And that's why the Biden administration is not making a case for helping the Ukrainians. And it is very noticeable that the Biden administration isn't making a, a strong case. I I want to help. I want to help Ukraine because I think it's the right thing to do. I think it actually helps us economically, as as Joe Biden unarticulated, un, un uh, inarticulated, uh, however you want to say it, not very well articulated made the case that we send the Ukrainians weapon systems, we then use the money to rebuild our weapon systems. But I also do think it should be tied to the border and Biden should compromise on the border. I think you get border security, you fund Ukraine and Israel. I suspect what's going to happen is a discharge petition is going to happen in the House. And a discharge petition is when 218 members of the House agree to advance a piece of legislation, they can't be stopped. So the legislation goes to the House from the Senate. If 218 members of the House decide we want to vote on this piece of legislation, House leaders can't block them. They can complicate things with the Rules Committee, but they can't actually ultimately block a vote. They can slow it down. They can't stop it. And I suspect that sort of thing is going to happen. What I, what I also think is that Republicans in Washington are more and more out of touch with people because while I'm in the minority with you guys, I think, on this issue, I actually know from the polling out there that I'm in the majority on the issue. And what I find noticeable is that most of my friends who are their center-right, they're conservatives, they may not be Republicans they're kind of put off by the Republican Party these days. But people I go to church with, people I, that I work with, people, my neighbors who I, I interact with, when, when and they ask me about politics because it's what I do. And so they ask me about politics. Most of them are supportive of helping Ukraine. But when I connect with my conservative friends in Washington and the activist class and stuff, they're, they're not. And for some reason, and I don't really know why it is right now, but it seems like a lot of the conservative movement isn't really a conservative movement so much as they are reactionary right movement these days. They're not being defined by conservative policies and principles. They're being defined by their reactions to the left. And because Biden and the left support Ukraine, they're opposed to it. But you know and I know that if Trump came in, he probably would support Ukraine. He he was when he was there. He was supportive of Ukraine when he was there. It's where most of the American people are, according to the polling. He would be, too. But in Washington, in the conservative movement space in Washington, among the reactionary right, among the people highly plugged into politics who are catechized by those they surround themselves with politically, they're very opposed to continuing funding of Ukraine. But out in the heartland, the people who just live their life, go to t-ball and baseball and soccer practice and football and go to church and go to work and tend to their families and hang out with their neighbors, they actually kind of get we should be helping Ukraine fight the Russians. There's a huge disconnect out there. And I think it's a warning sign of the conservative movement that it's becoming more and more disconnected from where actual voters are, not not the conservative activist base per se, but where voters generally are. 
I, I know I'm in the minority with a lot of you. I, I, I get that. But I still think it's right. And among Americans generally, I, I know I'm in the majority. And I think the conservative movement uh, needs to be less reactionary and more sound public policy. And I don't know that a lot of the leadership of the conservative movement right now is really focused on sound policy so much as just reacting. And when you're reacting, you're not leading. And that's a warning sign to me. Now, I need to welcome back our longtime friends at Eden Pure and their thunderstorm. I used it over the weekend. So the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, those of you new to the show, longtime advertiser on the show. They stepped away for a little bit. They've come back. Um, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier. And this pure air purifier wipes out odors, litter box odors, pet odors, dirty diaper odors, smoky odors, you name it. I used one in my hotel room. It was Mardi Gras weekend, Louisiana. People, they didn't care about the law. A lot of people smoking. And uh, the hotel room smelled a little cigarette Not with the Eden Beer Thunderstorm. It cleaned the odors. It can clean them for you as well. And right now, they're running their BOGO. So you buy one, you get one for free. You buy two, you get two for free. You buy five, you get five for free. I got a friend of mine who bought a pack of these because he and his wife bought a lake house. And it was from an elderly couple that had smoked inside the house for years and years. They were having trouble getting rid of the, the smoke odors. They used the Eden Pure Thunderstorms. They took advantage of the BOGO, actually. And they were able to wipe out the smoke odors in the house. They really do work. Cooking odors, pet odors, litter box odors, smoky odors. You can use it in your car. Somebody's been smoking in your car. Like, I might have accidentally let loose cigar smoke in my car and made my wife mad. Well, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm takes care of it. You get the BOGO, all you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and the discount code Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O, Eric Bogo. You can buy one, get one free, buy two, get two free, buy three, get three free, you know the math, buy five, you get five free. EdenPureDeals.com, don't go to EdenPure.com, no, 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 you go to EdenPureDeals.com, and then you put in the discount code Eric Bogo and get cleaner air with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome back. You, you got to listen to this uh, exchange at the White House over Joe Biden launching a TikTok channel. Remember, he banned TikTok from government devices. This first, John Kirby. On TikTok, can you explain what are the national security concerns that the administration has about TikTok? As you know, uh, it's not approved for use on uh, government devices, and that remains the, the case uh, today. And I think... Uh, um, again, I don't want to get into too much of the uh, uh, of the national security technical reasons behind that, but um, it, it does have to do with concerns about the preservation of data and the potential misuse of that data and privacy information. 
uh, by foreign actors. I think that's as Does far as I can go. It's wise for people to use TikTok. Uh, again, that's that's not something that I I'm qualified to say from the National Security Council. Uh, all I can tell you is it's it's banned on U.S. government devices, and we follow that guidance. Now. This is the exchange over Biden and his TikTok account. I can't speak to uh, any conversations on, on specifically on TikTok. Uh, we got to be really careful. The campaign 2024 can't. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, so we're not going to comment on any specifics. And so certainly we would defer to the campaign on any strategy. The CFIUS process uh, is separate and not going to get ahead of, of what uh, we're going to say here. Um, and I would say that the administration uh, is on record for, um, uh, for supporting the Restrict Act, as you all know, uh, something that came up last year. And it's a bipartisan bill, and it is t- indeed tailored uh, and risk-based uh, approach so we can protect Americans' freedom of speech, and that's what matters. Uh, as you know, as you know, there are um, uh, folks here who are commissioned uh, officers who certain people are allowed to have conversation uh, with the campaign, but I can't speak to uh, any specific conversations that are happening, ha- happening about this particular issue. Again, it's under CFIUS review. We want to be really mindful and not getting ahead of that. And also it's the campaign, so that is something that they would have to have to speak to. And the reason why it is banned on government, uh, government uh, phones or uh, government properties, obviously, devices, is because that is an act of Congress. Uh, that is something that Congress wanted to uh, put forward to make sure that no government uh, government uh, devices uh, are used. Uh, no government devices used. Biden has gotten onto TikTok. You know, during the Super Bowl, you saw a lot of ads from Timu. You may not know what Timu is. The kids these days uh, use Timu a lot. Uh, Timu is a uh, Chinese Amazon knockoff. And, of course, the communists collect your data and your children's data. Notice how they're coming for your kids. Timu is actually targeted to kids. It's not targeted to you. Timu is a shopping app targeted to kids, and it is part of the Chinese surveillance system, surveilling your children and their shopping habits. Couple that with with uh, with TikTok, and they're building a psychographic profile on your kids. A psychographic profile is is a profile of your child's mind, thinking, habits, hobbies, informations, and beliefs that they can then use to target your kid with persuasive information. So their shopping habits on Timu undoubtedly can be transposed into TikTok to persuade them even more and indoctrinate them more. You should be avoiding TikTok and Timu both. You should. And this White House knows it, but they're too scared of the progressives to be honest about what's going on out there because they need and know the progressives are on TikTok.